Luke chapter 14. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the, lawyer, to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told all a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a great place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, hey, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, For the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you've commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For Mm -hmm. I tell you, none of those who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man, Jesus is just like, <laughs> I. you know, uh, image that comes to mind. Have you read the Hound of Heaven poem? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like a little bit different theme than all this, but it, it basically describes it's Jesus as like heaven's a bloodhound, just like yeah. searching out people and bring them home. But uh, you really do just get this idea of like Jesus is like, you know, he you see his like zeal, his power, and his authority, and yet also his his love for people mm-hmm. and how it's bent, you know, like a bow straight towards the the heart of the meek and lowly. Uh. And then there's this interesting passage where Jesus says you have to hate your parents and your wife and children and siblings right. to be worthy to follow him, to be his disciple. Now, uh, you know, I think as we get into this, we can press into, um, you know, whether or not you and I should hate Raylan and Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, you know, there's a lot going on here. Jackson, what are your thoughts? I'm just going to throw the hot potato right at you. What yeah. are your thoughts on everything going on here? Yeah. Well, I do think you're, you're right to identify those two things as really being the, the kind of key themes of chapter 14. Because on one hand, you have this, this idea that the, in God's economy, in God's kingdom, which we talked about yesterday, the, the lowly will be exalted and yeah. the exalted will be made low. And so there's something about the kingdom that we're learning about here that's this upside down kingdom. It's a one that reverses expectations. And um and so we're seeing some of that and and we're seeing how God is God's heart is uniquely for those who uh, they don't have anything to offer. You know, they they come needy and the needy have a place in God's kingdom, mm. at God's table. Uh, which is just such a beautiful image, but then it, it moves to this this uh, image of the cost of discipleship, and so you've got on one hand you've got the needy folks who, you know, they they are just looking for a meal. They they don't have anywhere to recline. They don't have anywhere to sit. Mm-hmm. So they're super glad to be invited to a banquet. And then you've got all these other folks who they're encumbered by the things of this world, and so they're so quick to uh, to reject the invitation of the banquet master. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus says, uh, kind of summing this up, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then skipping down to 33, we see like a summary of this. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So yes, it, it is a interesting question. Does this mean that we are to literally hate our families, our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters? Um, I don't think that's what this passage is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we interpret scripture with scripture. Uh, you know, other places in the Bible we see that uh, you know the person who doesn't care for members of his own household is actually considered worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. You know? So so there's. There's Jesus some, himself teaches, you know, to love your enemy and, you it, know, marriage. And so. Exactly. So, so we want to be careful not to like read this in isolation from the rest of the Bible. But nevertheless, what we are seeing here is, is the, the primacy of our devotion to the Lord that um, it's as if 
we lay down everything before the feet of the Lord and say, you are worth my everything. Mm. And so Jesus is not asking to be one God amongst many in our hearts. He's not asking to be a priority amongst, amongst many. He is asking to be uh, the Lord and to reign in our hearts. And, and he's calling us to submit ourselves to his Lordship and offer him our fealty, every bit of it. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing held back, nothing reserved for ourselves, no bit of devotion uh, for anything else. Rather, it is for the Lord mm -hmm. holy. And, and so, so you know, we belong to him, body and soul. Um, and, and that's our hope. That's our, yeah. our life is to be found in him. And, uh, and so the question that we need to reckon with is, is like, are we good with that? Like, are we good with that exchange of, of saying, I will give you my everything. I will give you myself, my devotion, my love, my heart. And in turn, I will receive you as my treasure. Mm. Um, you know, there is a, a cost of discipleship that we often uh, are unwilling to consider. Mm. And, and many of us are really happy with the idea of gaining heaven, of not gaining eternal destruction and torment away from the presence of God. Um, but we don't often consider the idea of surrendering ourselves to Jesus and, and, and living for him uh, and, and seeking to live lives that are pleasing to him. Mm. And this passage is saying, well, yeah, am I worth you laying your life down? Yeah. Am I worth you giving up your life for? That mm. doesn't necessitate that we hate our wives and hate our families. Um, but it, it is a high cost. Yeah, it it is a very clear illustration of you know the the disruptive force, the the disruptive blunt force of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. And, and you know the the gospel should be something that disrupts our lives. You know, I think this like wedding thing is is interesting because um, you know a lot of us we go to lots of weddings, especially if you are at Christ covenant, there's a lot of weddings happening, which is awesome. I love weddings. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's relatable in a funny way. Uh, cause I think we've all been invited to a party or wedding and we were just like, dude, I got too much to do. <laughs> like, yes. and, and so, you know, I, I, I love this, like the guy who he just bought a bunch of oxen. And so instead of going to this banquet, He's going to go like examine cows basically. <laughs> and what's interesting is, you know, essentially what God is saying is that he will not sit on the outskirts of our life. Yeah. And that's like a really important thing to, to examine is, are you allowing the gospel to disrupt your life? It, like, is it inconveniencing your mode of operation and if it's not, then you're probably placing God on the outskirts. And, and that's a that's a precarious position to put yourself in because we we see the master's response here. He he is in the business of gathering those who are poor in spirit, those who are eager to be brought in right. and to be fed. Yeah. And so it, it's a great place to just examine your heart posture. Am I a person who is eager to be fed so much that I would leave everything behind me mm -hmm. and accept the death sentence of the gospel, um, which is essentially what this bearing your own cross terminology is. Am I willing to go after that? 
or is it well okay you know i i'm gonna be uh you know wholly devoted to just like having an awesome time with my family building a great career and then when life settles down we're really gonna like plug in and right. be good like church going people and that is, that is like the atlanta narrative right, right you know exactly. and it's why like especially in just a lot of churches around here you only really see people in their like 50s that are mm -hmm. really uh plugged in because everyone else is just too busy they got oxen to look at yep and, and so it's definitely a, a great warning. And, um, you know, I think that I, I love to, this is a little bit of a left turn from that theme, but this parable of the wedding feast, um, where it's this idea of, you know, if you take the place of honor and I love Jesus using like social awkwardness as a, a meet, like a device in this story, but don't take the place of honor or, you know, you will be put in a lower spot, but basically humble yourself, take the lowest spot. And right. then that's where you can actually be honored. And then I love, you know, there's, there's a lot of practical wisdom there just in life. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some really big abstract wisdom that he ties into verse 11 for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Mm. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Mm -hmm. And that's really the key to the, these stories that follow of, you know, are you going to be the person who who postpones the invitation of the Lord, or the person who accepts it eagerly? Yeah. And uh, the key to that is humble yourself. Yeah. Admit that you need to be fed, and those yeah. who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. Yeah, that's good. You know, this this final uh, two verses, these final two verses, I think are very important for us to reflect on. You know, the whole idea here is is that salt is good. But if it's lost its taste, it's really good for nothing, mm. um, and and it's it's only going to be thrown away and yeah. and be useless. And and part of what I think Jesus is saying here is is that you know if if we are unwilling to allow Jesus to occupy the center of our lives, then we are as good as useless. And yeah. so. This again is sort of a, a reversal of expectations. We might think that by living the good life and adding Jesus to it, you know, you think of the Atlanta narrative, think like, I'm going to live my good life. I'm going to, you know, have the, the, I'm going to become successful. I'm going to buy the place at the lake. I'm going to spend all my weekends at the lake. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, uh, be thought of well in my community. I I'm going to raise my 2.5 kids in the perfect setting. Mm -hmm. Do all these things. And I'm going to kind of, add Jesus on top of that, but I'm not really going to lay my life down. I'm not really going to have Jesus be at the center of my life. Then what this passage is essentially teaching us is, is that we are worthless, mm -hmm. that we are living wasted lives. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think about my own life. I want my life to matter. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want it to be lived for the glory of God. And the gospel invites us to live worthwhile lives. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to go and and solve world hunger or that we're going to necessarily do great things in the eyes of the world, but to live for Christ, even in a humble way, even in in a simple way, but nevertheless having Christ at the center of your life and and serving for the sake of Christ and and proclaiming the gospel for the sake of Christ and loving others for the sake of Christ, or even humbly raising our children to know God and to enjoy Him, these are ways that we live purposeful lives mm -hmm. and. And we live 
you know, salty lives in a sense. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, this cost of discipleship is uh, one of those things that I think we ought to really consider as we practically seek to lay out our lives and, and, and just ask that question, like, what do our, what do our hours say about what is at the center of our life? Is it our comfort? Is it our, is our pleasures? Is it our vices? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it Jesus and his renown? Amen. Amen. It's a great word. So in the words of Jackson Randall, stay salty. Uh, for, for Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.